0: Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, community member, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, who admittedly makes mistakes, and who's on a mission to bring more joy and engagement to my life and my clients' lives. Over the past 18 years in my career, I've encountered various leaders and teams, some that have thrived and others that have been, well, toxic. And I've realized this is actually not unique to me. In fact, we've all been there. This show is my way of helping leaders who desire ease with their teams, who know there's a better way to lead than the traditional forms of leadership from our parents' generation and who know that leadership is not gained through following a template. This show will offer you insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams, having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value, making an impact. My goal with this show is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams today. Ultimately, showing up for them so they show up for you. Building intentional, conscious leadership. We can do this. All right, let's go. Have you ever said, why me, I'm not qualified to do this, and then took a deep breath and plunged ahead? If yes, you've likely experienced imposter syndrome. Mimosa Kabir, this week's episode, is a fundraising professional who experienced just this when she first began her career. Fascinated by the topic, she went on a mission to talk to others about their journey Together, we discuss the downsides and sometimes upsides to this common feeling, when it can work for you, and how to avoid it becoming debilitating. She also talks about how it's a two-way street and how you, as a leader, can help your team feel supported in developing their skills, avoiding the pitfalls of feeling like an imposter. Enjoy! All right. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. I am so excited that my guest this week is Mimosa Kabir. Mimosa, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we met years ago. I can't believe it. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it actually has been probably close to five years now when we first met um, doing a fundraising concert for an organization we were both connected with. We've kind of gone separate ways since then, but I've always been following um, you on LinkedIn, just so intrigued by your mindset work and the posts that you put out there and just honestly how open you are to sharing you know your personal and work journey and some of the things that you've been learning over the course of your career. Um, So I'm very excited about this conversation. Uh, Why don't you start
1: by telling our guests a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, So I have been in the nonprofit sector for 10 years now. I've worked at a lot of um, Toronto institutions as well as some international and national charities. Uh, I've sort of worn every fundraising hat you can think of and currently I'm managing a capital campaign at Hot Docs. And uh, yeah, I think that about sums me up for right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how
0: Depending on where you start your career in fundraising, there's lots of room to grow in so many different aspects of fundraising that give you, I guess, opens the door to keep developing your career that way. And, you know, I think that that's actually where the topic of our conversation, you know, is a good lead in. Um, We're going to be chatting about imposter syndrome and how that can actually be. bit of a hindrance or hold you back from, you know, these types of promotions or, you know, you think you're always doing special events and now somebody asks you to do major gifts or they're asking you to present um, on a stage and you're thinking, but why me? I'm not qualified. So tell me a little bit about what is imposter syndrome?
1: So imposter syndrome is loosely defined as you know, doubting your abilities, doubting your competence, um, questioning whether you deserve any of the accolades or accomplishments that you have. I think it was a term coined in 1978 and it was um, a study done on high achieving women in uh, the education system. So women who were in university who were constantly doubting um, That they deserve to be there and uh, this fear of being found out as a fraud that you don't actually belong and somehow you're blending in and at any point someone will notice that you don't actually belong there and how that experience sort of shapes shapes how you interact in the workplace because you have this fear and this sense of um, of almost being an outsider, even though from the outside, anyone looking in would think this person is accomplished, this person um, is doing great, or uh, really, you know, demonstrates the values of an organization, which is why they're moving up within it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, everything you just said, I was like, damn, I've definitely felt that. Um, And I'm sure most people have. So in your experience or from you know what you know about it, is it mostly something that affects women or is this like across all genders and spectrum and everything in between?
1: Everything I've read about it, it definitely seems that um, women seem to experience imposter syndrome more and then as an offshoot, sort of, any intersectional personalities are experiencing at this more, and I think it goes back to that idea of that sense of belonging. You know, when you're looking at society and how society might have um, come to be where it is, there's, you know, no denying that a, a a certain type of person has been sort of in the in the power seats, and so. As we kind of progress through, more people are, are going up the ranks, but there might not be as many people who look like them or who have the same kinds of lived experiences as them. So, one of the things that I've started thinking about, you know, I've spoken about imposter syndrome a few times. And in the initial conversations I've had about imposter syndrome, I've focused on as an individual how you're feeling like a fraud and what you can do for yourself to really um, build your confidence or your, um, to to create that sense of belonging. But the onus has always been on the individual. It's almost like you suffer from imposter syndrome. So you have to do the work to overcome it. And it's a narrative that I've also um, echoed. And lately, you know, I've been thinking about more the systems that create imposter syndrome. And what is making people feeling excluded and why are they feeling like they don't belong because it's a two-way street and I think I hadn't really thought about that side of it or you know how we've institutionalized the idea that women don't belong at certain levels um, within an, within a hierarchy you know and what what can we do for others to help combat imposter syndrome because the feelings of doubt that I imagine everybody feels that. So I think that's why imposter syndrome has become such a you know common verbiage that we're all using because a lot of people can relate to self-doubt and in some ways self-doubt is great. It can you know improve the work that you're doing. It can make you stop and reflect and it can, um, I don't know, it, it can also make you a better leader. But I also think that, um, it can be debilitating, right? So it's, it's knowing when, when it can work for you and when it um, hinders you, but that this is, it's a much larger issue, I think, than an internalized issue. I think it's, it, it also brings into question um, how workplaces are structured and what workplaces can do to also help combat imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'm, a few things that popped into my head as you were saying that is, you know, the the belonging piece, right? So we talk a lot about connection and belonging and helping people not I'm not even going to say fit in because when you fit in, you're faking, right? You tend to change who you are to fit in, whereas when you belong, you belong, right? There is I belong here as I am. So two kind of different things there, but also you know, we talked to a lot about people being trailblazers, specifically women. And we put this like, I don't wanna say pressure on someone to say like, you're a trailblazer. These women who've come before us, they blazed the trail. And I for sure think they did. And I also think that put a lot of pressure on those women and the women who follow in their footsteps to say, well, I'm not as good as them right? Because then we start even comparing, you know, I think imposter syndrome also has a lot to do with like comparison and judgment and how we're constantly ranking ourselves against other people.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I just realized that, uh, the listeners don't know that I'm nodding along so aggressively (laughs) to everything you're saying, because I agree, uh, so much, but, I, I think you're so right at the, the judgment element. And, you know, I've had conversations with friends about about the concept of judgment, you know and where that really comes from. And I, I feel so much of judgment comes from an, a deep seated insecurity, right? It's, um, it's wanting others to value the same things you value in the same way and, you know, putting pressures sort of on society to act and behave in a certain way that you understand and recognize. And when people don't, um, it might set your own internal um, clock off of why, why why aren't they adhering to the same rules I'm adhering to, or why aren't they trying to, why don't they value the same things I value? And I think it creates more of an isolation, which also can lead to more of an imposter syndrome. But I think the judgment element is, is really key to how this happens too and the judging of ourselves, right? Of um, Seeing someone else's highlight reels, which I think in social media especially is so prevalent. Um, You know, you go onto Instagram and everyone has this like picture-perfect home and picture-perfect family and picture-perfect dog that never even, you know, yaps or anything and and those are the only clips that you're seeing and then you look at your life and you live all these moments that are not picture perfect or anywhere near and you start to think I'm the only one that doesn't have it together (laughs) everyone else does you know and and that can also take away that sense of belonging
0: yeah for sure and I you know I can totally see that right it's like but what you said too is it's everyone's highlight reel right so we have to remember and remind ourselves that these are their highlights right they're not showing everyday moments they're showing their highlight reel so i think that that's even just catching yourself on those perspectives of yeah of course they're not going to show you know that their dog just barfed all over the floor and then their kid fell in it like while they're you know hosting a zoom meeting like they're not going to show all of those things because they're living it and that's probably not a highlight for them right that's something that they would like to move through move past and uh focus on where the next highlight's going to be but it is it when that's all you're seeing um it's really easy to fall into the trap of comparison I mean like why like what are they doing so differently because it doesn't feel like that for me and you know yeah I definitely see how it holds you back but you know for me one of the things that I often think about is just catching myself right it's that okay I'm starting to feel that way or even you know I use a lot of parenting examples because I'm in it right now but like going out for a run with my son and I'll go for a run every morning and I think that that's pretty freaking amazing and then I see this other woman like running so easily. And I'm like huffing and puffing and cursing the entire time. And she's just running like, like a deer, <laughs> like running so yes. easily. And I'm just like, man, I can't, I, I'm not measuring up, but we're also not at the same start line. Yes. Right. She may have been running her entire life. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems with imposter syndrome is we're not all at the same start line, right? We we're at different points in our journeys and experience levels, but we're all comparing ourselves in the now.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, when you look at the list of people who say that they've experienced imposter syndrome you have your Meryl Streep's and you have your Michelle Obama's and people that you really look up to and you think how could they possibly feel like this they seem to have all the answers and I think we sometimes forget that we're all human and the person you're comparing yourself to is also a human Mm -hmm. um I am going to butcher this quote, so I won't even try to say it. But there is a quote from a French philosopher um, that basically says that even um, kings, you know, use the bathroom. Uh, they, they used a, <laughs> a more colorful word. But, you know, it's that we don't see it, but it happens, right? And yeah. it's, it's one of those things where we're all human and so when we think of accomplishments, especially when you're comparing accomplishments, you know the work that you had to put in to get to that accomplishment. But for someone else, you might not know the hustle that they had to put behind it to to achieve what they did. And so it, it is easy to compare sort of your weak moments or your challenging moments um, to, again, just the, the finish line for someone else, right? Yeah. And I think, in especially professionally, that's so easy to do because in a lot of those relationships, you also don't know about them as people in their own lives. So you really only think about them in one way. And it's easy to sort of hold them up to this standard that you then can never reach.
0: Yeah. So in work, how do you see, you know, how do you see imposter syndrome holding people back? Like, I think it's fairly obvious, but you know, how how are people being held back by this?
1: I mean, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's two ways, right? There's the ways that your own self-doubt can hold you back. Um, and that is partially, you know, not, If you think about the effort that it takes to convince yourself that you can do something like the energy that you put into that um, then the pressure that you're putting on the work that you're completing is it might not be the best quality because of how much anxiety it took to get there and the expectation of yourself for it to be perfect might actually hold you back from being able to produce quality work in the first place because you're trying to get it to a place that might simply not exist, (laughs) you know, so I I think it can show up in those ways. But on the other side, um, you know, again, as I think about how imposter syndrome is perpetuated by workplaces, um, I think it's, it also can feel like you're not being recognized for your work, and you're not Being validated in the ways that you need to build your confidence, right? So I think it it can affect you in different ways, and there are strategies in tandem, you know, as an individual and as employers or people who have colleagues that you can um, enact to to help combat imposter syndrome. So
0: you know, I worked with somebody at one point who talked a lot about this as well and she named her gremlin. (laughs) I love that. I I know, I think it's great when you can actually say like, this is the gremlin, this is the voice inside my head that's holding me back. And you, you know, it's a great little art project to uh, create your gremlin, name your gremlin, and then, you know, every now and then tell your gremlin to take a hike. But, you know, that's that internal work that you're talking about. How can leaders and colleagues help other people and you know it's not necessarily the responsibility but it should be that part of that natural evolution
1: of a
0: team to create that belonging
1: absolutely i think inclusion starts with making everyone feel respected and valued so you know sometimes i think we don't spend enough time celebrating the little wins Um, you know, after I, when I used to work in special events, that is when I would receive the most praise because it was so easy to see the final product and know if it went well or not. And after the day after a big event, you would get the emails of people who are happy if you've done your job right. And you would receive all this recognition. And, you know, even within organizations where people would say, oh, that went so great. And -and so-and-so was responsible for this. But in the days that lead up to it, the days that are the most stressful, where you're worrying about the most mundane things, you know, what if there's an emergency and there are no napkins available at this event? Well, how will people wipe their mouths after they eat? Like you're thinking about the smallest things. Those might be the days that you need the reassurance the most that you've done the best you can that day, you've done all that you can that day and you're doing well. And I think that, you know, In other roles I've had in the nonprofit sector, there isn't such a big monumental moment that you're working up to. And so finding ways as employers to make sure that you're recognizing and valuing your employees throughout the day-to-day. Um, and of course, that's not showering them with compliments every single day, but it's taking moments every week to report you know, reflect on what your wins were that week and knowing that the little wins all contribute to the big picture and you can't really get to the big picture unless you've done all these little, you know, tasks. And I think that that's something that we can all definitely do better. And I find that, you know, in the pandemic, that's almost become more challenging. Uh, You know, in the office, it's so easy to have moments where someone can recognize you for something just offside. But now you have to set up a Zoom call to talk about something, and some of the some of it feels more transactional, I think, than it used to in person. So I feel like more people are craving that valued feeling um, you know, especially in the day to day when you're just logging into Zoom call after Zoom call. Um, so I definitely think that that's something we can even do as colleagues. You don't even have to be a leader, you know, just recognizing someone who's supporting you. Um, because that goes a long way in terms of their self confidence too, right? Like then they know that they've done a good job. And on the flip side, if you suffer from imposter syndrome, you know, there are elements of perfectionism that you might be aiming for. It's also learning how to take a compliment and how to slow yourself down and also celebrate that big win. So it's it, it again, as I mentioned, it's it's something that can happen in tandem. Um, you know, really really trying to humanize everyone around you and yourself and not holding yourself up to a standard that isn't achievable for anyone. Yeah, I think that there's so many great nuggets
0: in there and and gratitude and appreciation is just such a, you know, it's funny that we have to talk about it so much. You know, we think that you know, I keep saying this, like treat human beings like human beings. Like all of those you know, old stories that we were told growing up as kids, like in kindergarten, when we learned, you know, treat other people the way you wanna be treated and say our pleases, say our thank yous. Like all of these, I'm gonna say basic manners. um, We somehow seem to have fallen in the trap of busy. And busy, um, I actually, like, I, I hate the word busy. But I think busy has consumed people, and they I constantly hear, but I don't have time to do this with my team, or I don't have time to meet with that person. And you know, even in the office, I remember, yeah, I remember when it was a year ago um, (laughs) people would complain about working in an office and being interrupted by their colleagues. Well, I can't get anything done when I'm in the office because. I have to talk to people and now it's the opposite we're like but we miss talking to people i'm not getting any valid you know positive validation as to the work i'm doing or if i belong in, as a part of this team but i agree with you i think the cross cross office you know or lead you don't just have to be a leader i guess is what i'm agreeing with that We should be fostering this kind of gratitude and appreciation and recognition throughout all levels of the business, right? We should feel very easy to say to the executive assistant, like, thank you. The way that you organize this makes my life better. Thank you. And that person should also feel totally... um, easy enough to go to a VP and thank them for something. Um, Just like getting rid of the, that hierarchy of where it needs to roll from, I think is, is hugely important because it actually feels really good to make other people feel really good.
1: Absolutely. Especially (laughs) when they're doing a good job. Right. And I think that that piece is so important. And I think the other piece as someone who experiences it, but also within leadership is talking about it and acknowledging when you don't know something, right? Because I think we sometimes think that we have to have the answers and what perpetuates the imposter syndrome is you have a problem in front of you and you have no idea how to solve it. And you feel like, but the reason I was hired was to solve this problem. So I have to know the answers. And if I don't, then they're going to know that I I'm not good at my job, right? Or that I'm just making this up. And I think we always see, we always assume leaders to be competent. And then we're, we're trying to, we question ourselves if we don't have the answers right away. So we doubt our own competence. And the truth is, I think strong leaders know where know that they don't know everything and they know how to pull people in who do know those things and they know that the solution isn't going to be driven by one person but rather when you don't know something your your strongest um, solution will come from engaging different people and you know saying hey I don't know how to solve this do you have any ideas and that might spur you to get to solutions that you wouldn't have even thought of on your own and I think that Typically, great people, leaders can be a little bit more vulnerable in that way. Um, And it's when you don't allow room for that vulnerability that imposter syndrome can creep up so much because that voice in your head is saying, you can't do this and they're going to know. And the truth is, you don't have to know how to do it. You have to know how to seek solutions. And that could be from other people. But you can't do that if you don't admit that, you know, know. they're Exactly. And so I think that's something that would be great to see more leaders speak about, too, um, because then you know that at those levels, they still don't, they're still human, right? They, they still don't know all the answers. And so many answers come from trying different things and, you know, knowing what risks to take. And also, again, as I mentioned, like self-doubt can actually be a good thing. So how can you make it work for you um, in that you know, is this the right answer? A lot of leaders will tell you that they test their answers, right? They test because they don't know. (laughs) If they knew, then they would pick one and they would go with it. But that rigorous testing process is to find out how other people respond to things, to know if you're on the right track, so you're doing a pulse check. Um, So I think there's, I don't know, I think there's so many different ways, but I love going back to an old point, what you said about um, the person who named their gremlin. uh, I think the one strategy that I've started employing anytime I start to feel a lot of doubt outside of talking about it with others is also trying to talk to myself like I would a friend. Because quite often, it's almost like I hold myself to a completely different set of standards. But if a friend were to tell me that they're feeling this, I could hype them up so quickly, you know, because I can see how hard they work or I, I know certain things about them that I'm like, no, you're really good at this. Like, please do not doubt yourself. And then if that voice comes to me in my own head, I will reinforce, oh yeah, like you really don't know what you're doing <laughs> and it will hold me back. And so I've been practicing more of, just talking to myself, like if if you write down what what the thoughts that are going through your head and if a friend said that to you, how would you respond? Um, And then trying to talk to myself in the same way, uh, I think has been, it's not easy. Sometimes you really do have to write it out (laughs) and like pretend that someone else is coming to you for advice, but the advice you'd give them is maybe the best advice you can take for yourself as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, being your own hype woman, right? And because you do, our brains are naturally trained, unfortunately, to pick up the negative and and focus on the not great pieces. And I've been saying this a lot lately is when we're focused on those pieces, we see more of it, right? You're going to see more proof of what you're thinking about. So when you can flip the story and see your successes and see where you are shining and be open to like, you know, I'm shining here. And here's an area of my own self-improvement that I want to learn more about. And as leaders too, being, you know, I think one of the greatest things is when a leader does that and says, I, I'm leading this team because all of you are contributing to the end result. I need each and every one of you. We need each other because we all play a part of this giant puzzle and, that's also another way that we're going to create that connection and that belonging with our team, because they feel that what they do matters. And, you know, I say that all the time to members of my team or people that I'm working with is like, thank you so much, because I don't have the capacity to take that on. And, you know, that role you play for me makes such a huge difference and being able to just pull other people's ideas out You know, for some of us who have lots of ideas constantly going through our heads, you know, having somebody come in and say, okay, this is the idea that we need to run with or um, slow down, let's rethink about it. Or did you consider this? You know, being a leader who can create that kind of dialogue, I think is so important. And it's also going to help other people find their voice and let them figure out where they wanna shine too. I think it's, you know, being a leader is a, is really hard. <laughs> being a leader is really hard and you battle that, you know, constantly. You constantly feel like you're playing a chess game. You know, if I make this move, are they going to think that? And I think the best thing we can often do is actually stop overthinking everything.
1: Absolutely. And I think that um, part of stopping overthinking it is also you know, it, trusting your, trusting your instincts. And I think the more that you include others, the more that you'll get the, the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here. Um, the reinforcement for what you're doing being right, right? And I think that that is the best way. And that dialogue is the best way and how you can really bring people into a solution. I mean, that's, you can't be a leader if you don't have people, <laughs> yeah. so, right? So it's, it's sort of the base level of how do you become a leader? You can't be a leader of one. Um, you know, it, it's just not the same. So how do you peel, pull people into that journey? Yeah. I also
0: think to one of, you know, I've had a few really amazing leaders who, you know, can be that, you know, I often say, you know, that positive voice in your head too, but um, they invest, right? So investing in your team's development. I think that when I've been given opportunities by my leaders to learn something new, or I've shown an interest in something, so then I get to do a course, or they encourage me to follow through on that. To me, it's like, okay, here's the breadcrumb right? And they open it up and they let you follow those breadcrumbs and they help you with it. Um, To me, that's been such a great way for shutting down imposter syndrome because somebody else is believing that I'm on the right track. And they're not just believing that, but they're giving me opportunities to follow that trail.
1: I think it's also um, the key part there, I think, is the helping you through it piece, because uh, what I've read and experienced sometimes is, sometimes we want to take those professional development opportunities because we feel like we don't know and we're constantly trying to know everything about everything it's why we're reading we're taking courses and you're trying to um make up for what you think you're lacking and i think if someone's helping you through that so they give you the opportunity but also humanize that process again of you know this will improve your knowledge but we're not getting to perfection through this and we don't want perfection because perfection isn't real right i think if some if your leaders can you the opportunity to grow but kind of remind you of those pieces or and not just leaders but mentors um, and and people that are you know in your community of support Um, if if they can kind of remind you that perfection is not the goal you know, and that taking a course is for improvement and you will learn things and you can apply things and it will help you think, but it's not to make up for what you're missing in some ways. Um, I've always, anytime I I have a moment of doubt in my career I always look to the next professional development opportunity of like, I'm gonna go back to school. This time I'm going to do a a program. And, uh, you know, as I get older, I'm like, do I have time to invest that way? Maybe, maybe not, but I keep I keep downplaying the skills that I might have gained throughout my work experience and think that school is the only way to um, fix some of the gaps that I see in my, you know, in my abilities. And it's it's been a learning curve of people being like, Well, you've also been working for 10 years, like you you have experiences already. And not that a course can't help you improve, but don't let doubt be the reason that you're taking the course you know exactly. so
0: it should be because you're interested there's something that sparks inside of you that's like ooh that seems really interesting i'm i'm intrigued by that i'm interested by that and you know you get to learn more but it's almost yeah it's that self-discovery that self-journey and i completely agree with you you know how many more letters do we need behind our name that are going to make us feel real right and i yeah so the whole like get qualified for this get qualified for that i actually think that that is the journey to perfectionism um it's growth yes but you have to like watch that line very carefully as to the why you're doing it and is that what's holding you back from taking action now. Yes. And if the answer is, oh, well, I'm going to speak on the stage at whatever conference when I have this, it's like, well, why not now? Right? Yeah. The time is never going to be perfect um, you're never gonna have the capacity to really invest in it. You know, all of these barriers and excuses that you keep telling yourself are just it's that's your imposter syndrome popping in there saying, Okay, you can do it when. You can do that when. And uh I think that the challenge for everyone is do it now. If you know, my business coach always says to me, she's like, if if you want to vomit. <laughs> every time someone gives you an opportunity and you want to run away and hide and be like, Oh no, 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 I'm not doing that. She's like, that's when you have to say yes, right away, because that's your, that's your imposter syndrome or whatever it is saying, no, 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 you're not ready, but you are
1: right. They wouldn't have asked you if they didn't think you were ready. Absolutely. And I think do it. (laughs) The, the do it piece I think is the hardest right I think that's the biggest barrier that you come up against with imposter syndrome is the things that you stop yourself from doing because you're putting yourself into this little box you know and um and you kind of stop yourself from growing in a way because you're you're looking for things to constantly validate you and I think the do it now is part of learning that, oh, I have enough now as well, you know? Yeah. And again, that's not to say that you can't learn more and that you shouldn't constantly be seeking more information and knowledge. It's just to say that you're okay now and you'll be okay then too, you know? It, it's recognizing that both can exist at the same time.
0: Yeah, so I think that, you know, for those listening, kind of as we wrap it wrap it up, because I think we could probably talk about this forever. Um, That's our like strive for perfectionism. (laughs) Uh, We're not solving your problems for you because you need to take action, have positive self-talk. So again, talk to yourself the way that you would talk to a friend or the advice that you would give a child or another colleague, give that advice to yourself and for leaders and colleagues alike to really just start being more human right? Embracing one another, um, you know, appreciating one another, recognize the big and small wins, because we do, like, we're all creatures who need a little bit of reinforcement and gratitude, um, just to calm those those little gremlins inside of us that are saying so many other things to us.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, and I think just talking about it too, right, as we're doing here, because I think again, so many of us experience doubt and that is normal and it is healthy. It's when it stops you from taking action now, when it stops you from being able to do the things that you dream of doing. And so the more we talk about it, I think the more we can recognize ourselves in each other. Um, And I think that that alone has the power to sort of give you a name for it and give you the opportunity to call out the little gremlin inside your head (laughs) yeah well and i guess to
0: the last couple pieces like ditch perfectionism we've actually banned it from our house we are because my son kept saying oh it's not perfect it's not perfect perfect um has been deleted from the dictionary in, in our house so ditch perfectionism comparison and tame your judgment because It's actually just being reflected back on you to yourself and it's holding you back so much.
1: Yeah, I think that sums it up beautifully.
0: Okay, so I have three questions. I often ask at the end of every podcast, I ask three questions, kind of like snapshots. So what do you do as a leader to take care of yourself?
1: talking to my peers. (laughs) Um, It's really leaning on a community and trying not to do it alone.
0: Yeah, I love that. Realizing you need, yeah, community, connection and community. What has been the biggest impact a leader has made on you?
1: Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think Oh, I'm gonna ramble here a little, Ashley. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really good answer. Um, I mean, I think the biggest impact a leader has had on me is really. Oh, there's so many examples. I think instilling the the people to people idea. Um, you know, the best leaders that I've worked for have always really listened and they have embodied leadership in a way that that is what I aspire to. And so what they've shown me is that you can, you know, a really old phrase is walk the the talk, right? And so showing by example and leading by example, for me, I think is the best thing leaders have done because it's, presented uh, a way for me to see myself in them and uh, to see it lived out in real life. Oh, I love that. And I'm sure that the leaders uh, who you've been following, that
0: would probably mean a lot to them to know that as well. So that's great. So the last piece is, uh, what advice do you have for future readers?
1: Uh, I think... You know, I think there's a theme in all my answers, but it it really is bringing in uh, bringing in as many people as you can to not go it alone. I think as a leader, there are lots of opportunities where you will feel alone in the process, and I think um, the more that you can know that you're not alone, the the stronger of a leader you will be. Yeah. That's Yeah, there is a theme
0: and it's a great th- theme. <laughs> you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Um, so Mimosa, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Where can people learn more about you or if they want to follow you? Where, where are you hanging out?
1: Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Mimosa Kabir, I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn with the name, so uh, very easy to find, and I'm on Twitter uh, and available. Uh, always happy to chat about this and other things, uh, especially about my career. I have always tried to be as open as possible, and I really welcome any dialogues. Um, well, thank you so much,
0: Mimosa, for spending the time, and we will chat with you soon. Thank you.